What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to our podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, and we have an outstanding guest with us today. It's uh, Kevin Eikenberry. He's a terrific fellow. I'm going to tell you about him in just a moment. And he is, uh, he's been named uh, one of Inc.'s top 100 leadership and management experts in the world and is the author of several books, including Remarkable Leadership. So welcome, Kevin. Hey, Steve. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, I had you on my show, and it was great, and so I'm happy to be on yours as well. Yeah, good. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It really was. Terrific interviewer, and, and enjoyed just the chance to talk about leadership and becoming your best and remarkable leadership. These are uh, great subjects of helping people unleash uh, their greatest potential. And uh, that's something that we share as a passion. So this will be fun to visit together with you. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Okay, well, uh, here's just a little background so that you know something more about Kevin. Uh, he is uh, the contributing author to the Handbook of Experiential Learning. Listen to these subjects uh, that go back uh, just a ways here. Masters of Sales, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Life, and the uh, best-selling Walking with the Wise. Uh, these are fun subjects. Uh, he, uh, his writings, and both past and, and what he continues to do, has been published in newspapers, magazines, trade journals, websites from all around the world. Uh, he's a frequent guest on radio shows, so he has a lot of experience. I happen, in, in addition to the fact that we, we do know each other, uh, I love his picture. <laughs> Kevin's picture, he's just a happy, fun-loving, looking guy, the type of guy you'd like to sit down and go to work on being your best on. You know, I, I've had people say a lot of things about me, Steve. I'm not sure I've heard that very often, but, I, <laughs> but thank you. Um, you know, I have had people, I will say this, I've had people say, Kevin, you look just like your picture. And I always want to say, what else am I supposed to look like? But <laughs> that's great. Uh, he's worked with uh, Fortune 500 companies, small firms, universities, government agencies, hospitals, and more. So, well, all right, well, let's get going, shall we, Kevin? I'm ready, man. I'm buckled in. All right. So uh, Maybe the first question I have for you is, I think our listeners would love to hear about your background, and especially including any turning points in your life that have had a significant impact on you. Like, So what's your story? So uh, I was born, no, we'll go fast forward from that. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of things that make sense to where we're headed today with our conversation, Steve, I, I grew up on a farm in Michigan, and that really informs a lot about who I am. I mean, I think a lot of people... When they meet me, they don't think I look like the stereotypical farmer, whatever that is. And I certainly don't live on a farm, although I own the farm that I grew up on and spend as much time there as I can. You know, I think that my 
kidhood on a farm uh, and in an agricultural related business where I had the chance from a very young age to have uh, to do work that really mattered for our family's livelihood. Uh, and having young parents where in many ways, you know, my dad took me everywhere. I was in all sorts of meetings from a young age. And so now there's a lot of things about my early life that I think say a lot about where I, where I'm at today, Steve, and, you know, you know, I, I, I often will use metaphors about, about planting and nourishing and all those sorts of things. And those things all come from, you know, I, I talk about building relation, excuse me, about nourishing relationships, not building relationships. And that's just a simple sort of connection, right. To that, um, that farming or agricultural background. Uh, in terms of turning points, I think the thing I would say is, I mean, I had the great chance to go to a great university. I, I studied at Purdue University, and, um, and then I went to work in the in the Fortune 10. Um, and then almost 25 years ago, Steve, from as we chat here, I left to start my company, which is now known as the Kevin Eikenberry Group. And for many of those years, there wasn't I wasn't leading anybody except myself. Uh, but you know, I've been blessed for the net last number of years to have a, a great team around me that's spread out across the United States, and there are currently 15 of us that are out doing this good work every day. So, you know, that that decision to leave and start a company about 25 years ago, um, I, I would probably, anyone would probably say that's a turning point as well. So how do you ever do that, Kevin? How does that work? <laughs> Like how do you, well, you, there's a lot of people that think about it, right? They think they have an idea or they think they have a possibility and it's a big risk. Uh, you know, you leave um, a pretty much of a safe haven. So how do you do it? How do you make the jump and what are some of your thoughts about that? Well, there's, it's like a lot of things, Steve. It starts with a decision, right? But I think, you know, I mean, I mean, that's being a little bit flippant, but it's true. You, there, there's a decision point. And, um, for me, that decision point was around trajectory. Where will I learn more in the next five years staying where I was, which was in a really great job. And I was well-respected and had probably a very bright future there. Um, and if I go out and start my own business and the, the clear answer was the trajectory of learning will be higher if I leave. And I think the big lesson that I would say to people is that, and I've had, I've coached some folks and I've talked to lots of people about this over the years is that, you know, there are probably some people listening, Steve, that are like you and me that, that are, are trainers, consultants, this kind of thing. I said, man, we're hiring all these people in our company. Look what we're paying them. I should just go do it myself. I'm as good as they are. And while that might be true, that's not enough to be successful, right? In order for you to be successful in a business, you have to have a lot more skills than just the technical ability of being a good auto mechanic, a good florist, or a good consultant, right? And first among those is you got to figure out how you're going to market and sell. And I think that that's the the thing that stops a lot of people once once they start. And and while I don't think that's why people are scared to start, it, it's it's a big it's a big impediment to people. Yeah, that's a that's a good observation and. When someone makes a jump like that, some people actually are more well-geared to work in an organization and can make an extraordinary contribution throughout their career. I mean, they can, it can, they can see it as a calling, and it's a perfect fit, uh, where other times individuals just feel like there's something else. And it's so my, I think in our discussion today, and for our listeners, what is good for one may not be good for another. You want to really listen to, you know, your feelings, your core strengths, and where you can make the greatest contribution. 
But if you decide to go outside like Kevin did and, and others have, you certainly want to have your ducks lined up, but have the courage <laughs> to follow your feelings. Well, and I, th- I think you're right. And there, you know, we, we choose in our work here to, to support and help develop leaders because leaders have the greatest leverage to make a, a bigger difference in the world. Right. That's and right. so, you know, there's, there is absolutely no reason that everyone has to try to do what I've done. Uh, you have to figure to your point, you have to find your place and uh, where you can find great meaning. I would have had a great career and, and probably enjoyed my work a great deal had I stayed where I was, but that wasn't, that's what wasn't what I was called to. And so we all have to figure that part out and not, um, sort of say, well, maybe I really should, or why I probably could, or those things are really not important, right? What's really important is where do you really feel like you belong? And to your, to your point, where can I make the biggest difference, biggest impact? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's great. I'm glad that you talked about that. Uh, now Kevin has, uh, so much experience really in leadership, uh, and working with small or large organizations, uh, but also with change. And uh, one of the uh, biggest things that's happening in our world today is how do we best contribute to an organization? And some of that's done remotely. And so one of the areas that Kevin has zeroed in on among his many skills and perspective, which are so helpful, is working remotely. And so how about if we spend a little time on that, maybe if not our most time, because it's not a subject that a lot of people talk about. I'm happy to do that. And, you know, and as you know, I've recently written a book about that along with Wayne (laughs) Tremell. It's called The Long Distance Leader Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. And I think you're right. The world has changed. It's not changing. It's changed. Right. And um, if you look around, what does workplace even mean anymore? Because so many of us are working in different places. We're not coming to an office uh, or if we are, we're only coming there some of the time. Right. Uh, or our office is at the client site, and so I'm doing the work of, of an organization, but I'm doing it for a client. So I'm not even with the rest of the people that I, you know, that were on my on my team. So this reality of a remote workplace is is upon us. It's not, and the genie's out of the bottle. It's not going back the other direction. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the biggest challenge is there. Number one relates to the change piece, which is people aren't even realizing that that's what's happening, right? It's like people are waking up and saying, man, where is everybody? Well, they're all working. They're just not here. So I think the biggest challenge of all is just recognizing that, okay, this is really where we're at now. What do I need to do differently as a leader to support, encourage, engage uh, my team who isn't all down the hall? Okay, that's a really terrific point. The world has changed and it will continue to do so. And this is going to be something that uh, will continue to be part of our lives. We're far more mobile. Uh, you have devices, you have your office in your hand these days. So uh, you've talked about your book a little bit, and I hope you'll talk more about it. But what does your research tell us uh, about remote leaders and, and why does it matter? Well, I think it, one of the things our research told us was that people feel like um, that they're doing okay, that as a remote leader, they're doing okay, but they don't feel like they're doing well. They feel like they're getting by. They're kind of like the duck swimming in the water. Everything looks okay on the top, but underneath, 
the feet are paddling briskly, right? And I think there's a lot of leaders doing that. And, and they're covering up for some of the challenges by working harder and working more hours, which is not sustainable and isn't really going to work. And the other thing is that I, I think our, our research and our survey that we use in relationship to the book says a lot about the fact that there's just not a, there's just not a high level of confidence, in how well they are doing at leading a remote team. You know, I don't, I think that leadership confidence is a, is a big undiscussed issue in our world in general, but when folks are doing it remotely and they're not getting the serendipitous feedback, they're not getting the just interaction with people. They don't really know what's going on. Their confidence levels are even lower in general. And I think those are big challenges that are facing our leaders. That's some of the things that our, our survey has taught us is that we need to help people figure out what the things to do are, help them do them better so that they feel better as well as actually having the confidence to do it successfully. Okay, and so I'm going to invite you to read the name, uh, tell us the name of the book again, and then I have another question about this. With pleasure. The book is called The Long Distance Leader Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. You can go anywhere to find a copy or you can go to longdistanceleaderbook.com. Okay, I'm glad you've said that a couple of times. Uh, an old adage, uh, an old advertising agency ad- adage is that uh, a person doesn't really get it until they've heard it six times. <laughs> well, I'm at three. I'll keep going. I'm, we're not done with the conversation yet, Steve. Uh, and that seems to hold pretty true. Yeah, that's right. We're halfway there, aren't we? <laughs> that's great. Okay, so what does a remote leader need to do to be successful, to have confidence, to be among the best. Uh, Because I'll tell you, frankly, I've had a couple of of, uh, clients, uh, they've had uh, remote leaders or remote players, uh, and actually for a number of years, and then it's kind of gone south a little bit because they lost connection, say, with the office or or things, they just weren't in tune with things. So how can you be a successful, what do we need to do? Well, I think the first thing is we need to realize that leadership is still leadership. And so the things that good leaders do are the same things you have to do, whether the people are down the hall or halfway around the globe. The, what's changed is the how we do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the best leaders know how to engender trust. They know how to uh, build relationships. They know how to coach. They know how to set goals. They know how to communicate. They need to know how to do a bunch of things. But all of those things have nuanced differences, Steve, when we're doing that at a distance, right? So the best remote leaders, the best leaders at distance are able to figure out, uh, I'll give you just several things. They've, they've learned how to use the technology to their advantage. They've learned how to use the right technologies at the right times. They've learned how to set clearer expectations with their folks about the, the what is expected as, as well as the how we're going to do the work. And they're also much more intentional about how uh, they interact with their folks. So like, think about it this way. If we were playing baseball and you go to bat three times and you get one hit, you're hitting 333, right? You're getting you're, – that's a great batting average. And But if you only have three at-bats, you better get a hit, right? Yeah, if absolutely. you are interact, if, if you are batting for a whole season, you every, every single at-bat doesn't matter quite as much. If you're working in the office with people, you get lots of at-bats. When your folks are remote from you, you have far fewer – opportunities, right? You don't see them in the hallway. You don't have the quick interaction in the way to the coffee pot. You don't, they don't stop 
poke their head in their in your office and say, hey, do you have a second? Those things don't happen. So we have fewer opportunities. So every opportunity that we have to interact with and communicate with our team members is of greater importance. And so we have to be more intentional about how we do it well along the way. Yeah, that's good advice. That's really a great, uh, great point. Now, some companies actually in organizations struggle with working remotely uh, and sometimes give up. So Yahoo or IBM, et cetera. Uh, what, what's your perspective on that? Well, those two, the Yahoo example and the IBM example, highly publicized a couple of years ago. Hey, we're going to bring everybody back in. The remote thing isn't working. And um, and that's fine. I mean, I think there's cultural pieces to that, perhaps. But it's also in the IBM example was an example of the kind of work that people was doing. You know, there are some kinds of work that's easier to do remotely than others. Right. If you're doing truly individual contributor work, if you're processing loans, if you're doing customer service, if you're doing a lot of other kinds, I'm not saying these are these are lower tasks. I'm just saying that the nature of some work is that I'm much more focused on my individual production. We'll get way more done if people are working remotely because they have fewer distractions. However, like at the in the IBM case, they were really wanting people to be very collaborative in the work that they were doing. And some of that work might not be quite as conducive to being full-time remote from everybody else. One of the things that we've learned, Steve, is that uh, people can be very productive when they're working by themselves, but they become very insular. They become very focused on their own work, and it's harder for them to collaborate. So if you're struggling, your teams are struggling to when working remotely, you need to think about what can I do to help them make sure that they see the big picture and that we help the collaboration really happen. Uh, that's one of the things we wanted to keep in mind. So yes, some people have brought folks back in and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. You know, I bring my whole team in twice a year because you, you need to spend some time together, right? We, there's some work that's just more conducive to seeing each other face to face than others. And so I think it's important that you think about the nature of the work and how you can best do it and how you ex build the expectations for folks so that they can be successful based on what your expectations are. Yeah, I really like that distinction, Kevin, that you're outlining here. It depends on the job assignment and sometimes you have a highly collaborative type assignment where it's valuable to be together face to face and the success of your team or organization may depend on that collaboration where other types, you know, they're knocking things out and it's highly focused and it's not as required. That's a good distinction. Uh, well, and this, this does not mean that you can't be collaborative when you work remotely. It just means that, you, that there's got to be more support and more and clearer expectations around that and more work from the leader to help make sure that that's happening. Kevin, have you found that, uh, uh, modern technology, uh, so video conferencing or maybe using more videoing helps the mm -hmm. remote to solve that problem? There's no doubt. You know, if you were to say, Kevin, what's, if, what's one thing that I can do if I'm a remote leader? What's one thing I can do tomorrow to be more successful? The thing I would say is turn off your email and turn on your webcam. You know, I don't think there's any question that the next best thing to being there, I think that's an old commercial somewhere, but the next best thing to being there is your webcam. And so get people used to that, set the expectation that that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, you don't need to be a dictator about it, but it really don't give people much of an option about that. Um, 
say we're going to use our web we're going to use our webcams because it allows us to have more effective communication. And so let's have more synchronous communication, whether that's over the phone or whether it's on a webcam, as opposed to just email, just sharing a file, et cetera. You know, we we're talking about this book, The Long Distance Leader. I co-wrote it with Wayne Trammell, who was on our team, and uh, we did not write any of it uh, when we were at all together. It was all done remotely. And the, and the interaction that we had about it was all done where we were sharing the screen and sharing webcams. So there's no doubt that we can have a highly successful collaborative outcomes, but we're going to have to be comfortable in using the technologies and using, again, the right technology, Steve, so that we can be most successful in a given situation. Okay. Well, Kevin, we've talked about some great things today, but uh, for me, uh, that's going to be my best take home. That's going to change me. I'm going to do that a lot better. I'm just thinking, uh, what what a jump that can be. That's good. That's good stuff. Well, I'll give you an. I'll just give you an example. So you know, you and I are you and I are doing this, having this conversation over Skype, and it's only going to be released via audio, which is perfectly fine. Um, but you know, if we were looking at each other while we were doing it, this would be more effective because I would not interrupt you or vice versa. We would have a little better sense of where we were headed. All of those little things. The the visual cues that are lost, right? Just as an example. So we have tools that are so easy now and the quality is so good and they're free in order for us to be using our webcams, right? Unless you have major firewall issues in your organization, man, I just say that's the first thing I'd be doing is figuring out how you can have more of your conversations where it's closer to being there. Okay, good stuff. And that's not limited to business, is it? It's, it absolutely is not. In fact, the, we're hearing this last, but we still hear this. Well, I don't really like being on video. And people, well, you know, I don't really want to be on video. Kevin. And then, I, then I'll say, well, do you, do you FaceTime with your grandkids? Well, yeah. <laughs> right. So that kind of went right out the window. Right. And so people aren't always necessarily. And then they'll say, well, Kevin, I don't want to look at myself. I said, don't look at yourself. Look at the other person. That's the point. Right. You don't have to look at yourself on the video. Look at the other person. Uh, good so. stuff. All right. So what special challenges does leading remotely create for the organization? From your perspective, what do you see from your experience? Yeah, well, we've talked about, I think, about several, but I think I think one of those is how do we build trust across the team and not just between me and the team members as the leader, but across the team. So one of the challenges is making sure that the team gets to know each other, not just that you're building a relationship with them as the boss, but making sure they're building relationships across the team. That's a, that's a challenge that um, that we really need to think about. There are ways to solve it, but we really need to think about it. And I think that's another one that often doesn't get discussed or addressed. Okay. Oh, well, that's great. This has been a wonderful discussion about this. And at least on our podcast, I don't think we've had a guest that's talked about this aspect of remote leadership. So thank you for your thoughts. That's my pleasure, for sure. Okay, if you don't mind, I'd like to just go a little bit of a different direction. Uh, Kevin has uh, written a book called Unleashing Your Remarkable Potential, or uh, what's the exact name of that? Well, that's that's the name of our weekly newsletter, Unleashing Your Remarkable Potential, but the re remote the Remarkable Leadership book has that as a subtitle, which is Unleashing Your Leadership Potential One Skill at a Time. Yeah, it's Remarkable Leadership. Through Kevin's research, uh, he's identified 13 things that helps you be a remarkable leader. And since in becoming your best, we've identified 12 principles. There's a little story behind this, Kevin, and that is when we went to uh, McGraw-Hill, who's our publisher for Becoming right. Your Best, 
uh, it was 13 principles of highly successful leaders. <laughs> and, well, and in our previous conversation, we found there, we've obviously had a lot of overlap between the, your work and ours, which is one of the reasons I think that we connected so well. Uh, exactly. But ultimately, McGraw-Hill said, no way, you can't have 13. That's unlucky. <laughs> so he said, make it 12. Well, the one that we cut out was do the best thing. And I guess because that's the overall spirit of, you know, what we were writing about. Do you mind telling mm-hmm. our listeners, what are some of your 13 things that remarkable leaders do? Well, a lot of them aren't going to surprise people. You know, the, the competencies include communication and, and developing others and some of those. But the one that I think piques people's interest the most, and I know that you agree with me on this, and that's the first one of our 13 competencies, which is that remarkable leaders are are continual learners. And I, you know, I share that because everyone that's listening, you're not listening to this podcast if you're not at some level a continuous learner and a continual learner. And so I believe that you cannot become anything close to the leader you're capable of being if you're not continually learning because there's there are so many nuances and there's so much complexity to leading other people that I believe that that's critical. And I've never met a leader, Steve, that didn't want their team members to be learning. And of course, the best way to influence any behavior in others is to be an example of it yourself. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, that's that's wonderful. Well, good enough. Well, uh, any final tips for our listeners today? What what are your golden nuggets that you can leave them aside from the wonderful ones you already have? I'm just going to say it again. Turn off your email. Turn on your webcam, right? And and, and you know, <laughs> realize that if you're leading a remote team, that it is the little things that you need to be intentional to do that you can't do automatically when they're at a distance that you have to do more of. Um, And so, again, it's been a pleasure to be with you. And again, the book is called The Long Distance Leader Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. And you can learn, you can go buy the book anywhere. You can go to longdistanceleaderbook.com where you can get some get a sample chapter, and you can even get some some bonuses if you let us know that you bought a copy of the book. Okay, I've been keeping count, Kevin. That's number five. One Man. more time. One more time. We can make it to six in this podcast. Uh, the long-distance leader rules for remarkable <laughs> remote leadership. There you go. There's six. I love it right there. And what's your um, your website? Yeah, so again, we've, we've given you the book website, but you can go to kevineikenberry.com. You can also go to remoteleadershipinstitute.com. That's where our work around remote leadership takes place at remoteleadershipinstitute.com. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you, Kevin, for being a part of this show today. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we wish you all the best, our wonderful listeners. As you continue to make a huge difference in the world, it's these type of things that we're talking about today The reason that you're listening is you get an idea here and there, but it's these little ideas that as you apply them, one day you wake up and you're already making a difference, but this difference is expanded. So we wish you all the best. Remember every single day, your light has the chance to shine brighter and affect a person in a significant, positive way. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. 
or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.